What's happening, Freedom House? Y'all look beautiful today. Look at your neighbor. Just say, you look really cute today. Come on, look at him. Say, you look really cute. Look at your other neighbor. Say, you look like you use a little church today. Come on, look at him. You need a little help. Come on, you need a little church today. Aren't you glad you came today? We also want to welcome all of our online streamers. We've got California, D.C., Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Kansas, Maine, Michigan, and Massachusetts, China, Peru, Rwanda, and Togo. Church, can we give them a big hand for joining us today? So glad. Don't forget, if you're ever in Charlotte, make sure you come and check us out. And uh, Gene, if you're watching, I met you yesterday on the plane. Uh, Good to have you joining us today. Hey, I love parties. How many of y'all like parties? Party, party. Anybody, about half of you like parties. What do the rest of y'all do with your life? Just work all the time? Well, um, we as a church are having a huge house party on August 25th and 26th right here at Central Campus, South End, and our Lake Norman Campus. We have DJs, food, all kinds of stuff. It is our back-to-school weekend. All your kids are going to get a free lunchbox, as well as all of your students will be prayed for, teachers prayed for, administrators prayed for, of all schools. We want to pray for you. We do this every year. It's a great opportunity for us just to believe God for this year. And, and how many know our kids need some prayer for, for school? You know, just make sure we protect them pray over them. And so we're going to have a big party. We want you to invite some people. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. I like parties. My family likes parties. My wife loves to party. Now, here's how it goes at the Maxwell house. Here's how it works at our house. She'll say on like maybe Sunday, Monday after church, she will come home to today, but you know, could happen like this. You go, Hey, can I, can we have few people over few people over this Friday night? Now, if you're like me, um, you, you probably think, all right, few, you probably have a number on few. How many of y'all have a number? Like you know in your head, a few. For me, few less than four. Okay, four or less. That's few. Okay, so here's how it works. In the, we love to party, anniversaries, birthdays, all that good stuff. Wednesday, she'll come and say, hey, I've invited some people over Friday night. Now, again, you have a number, few, four, or less. Some for me, less than 10, manageable. Okay, for me, you know, if you know me, I like to go to bed early. 10 people or less, I can usually kick them out by 9.30 so I can go to sleep. And even if you don't leave my house by 9.30, I will go to sleep and just leave you in my house. You can find your own way out, you know, lock the door behind you. Thursday comes around, and after about my fourth or fifth visit to the grocery store, I'll say, hey, sweetheart, how's the party coming on? Oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be the best party we ever had. How many people are coming over? 40. <laughs> True story. That's the way it works. My son will, will tell you that is exactly how it works at the Maxwell House. Jesus is exactly the same. You know, I, I think that when you, when you think about Christ, I don't think he wants anybody to be excluded from the party that's going to happen in heaven. Come on, somebody. Isn't that great to know? I'm glad I'm going to heaven. How many of y'all are glad you're going to heaven? I'm glad. And church is supposed to be a party every single week. Every week, we have 52 opportunities. About an hour and 15 minutes, maybe 50 minutes for those of y'all that just walked in. <laughs> Did you hear that little pastoral dig right there? That was a good one. 52 times a year, we have the opportunity to 
Roll out the red car, but church is supposed to be fun. We're supposed to enjoy ourselves, laugh, connect with people that we haven't seen all week, pray with people, encourage people, celebrate the things of God. Celebrate the worthiness, like Colby said earlier, of God. To, to pray and believe God for the miracles, the impossibilities that we have available to us. Nothing's impossible with God. That's, that's the kind of God that we serve. We have such a great, and he wants us to enjoy his presence. And, and God's heart is like that. And we want to make sure that Freedom House, at all of our campuses, we want to make sure that this, it's an inviting atmosphere. Here's Jesus' heart when it comes to the lost. He says, then Jesus, Matthew chapter 9, went about all the cities. Everybody say all, all, all the cities. He didn't exclude any of them. And villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness. Everybody say every. No sickness was excluded. Every disease. Everybody say every among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Notice it says the word compassion and not pity. It's a big difference between compassion and pity. Pity is what you have when you see that dog commercial and you don't do anything about it. Come on, you know, be honest, be honest. Maybe you change the channel. Well, I don't want to feel sorry for that dog that, you know, doesn't have an owner. Compassion, no, acts. Compassion act, does something. Compassion is always active. Pity is not. Compassion is action. Jesus had compassion, and so he had compassion because when he looked over the multitudes, it says they were weary and scattered. Listen, we live in a world where tomorrow morning you're going to go to work and you're going to come into contact with people who are weary and scattered. You're going to sit next to somebody in your cubicle, weary and scattered. You're going to maybe even spend time with family members this afternoon that are weary and scattered. You have friends that are weary and and scattered, do you have pity for them? Or are you ready to act because you have compassion for them? So Jesus says in verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. There's a lot of opportunity that we have in the world that we live in right now. But the laborers are few. He's calling us out. God's calling us out. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. We are those laborers, and this is the call from Jesus. I believe there's three relationships that you and I need to work on, develop in our life. The first is our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God. That is a very important relationship. We need to develop that relationship, study the word, pray, spend time with God. The second relationship, I believe, is very important as well. Our relationship with the insiders, the people that we have community with, people who also have a relationship with Christ. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is if we stop there, a couple things can happen. The first thing is we can become irrelevant to the world. Now, if you just focus on your relationship with Christ, what will end up happening is you will become totally relevant to life. We call those people monks. They go away somewhere. They don't talk to people. They don't connect with anybody. They just are focusing on their relationship with God, and that's it. They could really care less about anybody else. The sad thing is, is in many churches, not Freedom House, but in many churches, a lot of times 
not only do the people focus on Jesus, but they also just focus on kind of us four and no more. Kind of our group of people, the people I pray with, the keep people that I have I serve with, the people I'm connected with. And if we do that, what ends up happening is we can easily become judgmental and legalistic. We start pointing the finger at the world saying, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. Look at that person. Happens a lot with stars. We point our, 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 our fingers at stars. Listen, we, we keep pointing our fingers at all the celebrities around. Are they going to ever come to church? Look, let's, let's encourage them as opposed to pointing the finger at them. Got a lot of amens in this church today. The third relationship is also very important. And that is our relationship with outsiders. Love your neighbor as yourself. You'll know we are followers of Christ, believers, disciples, by our love one for another. See, we have been given an amazing gift called salvation. Amazing. The opportunity to spend eternity with the Father. But when we choose not to share this gift, we are telling those around us they can just go to hell. That's what happens. I know it seems kind of strong, but that's the truth. When we just completely disconnect ourselves, I want to talk about our ability to invite those to become followers of Jesus. And we'll look through the eyes of Christ today. We're going to look through the eyes of how he sees people. This whole series we've been in is about taking outsiders and turning them into insiders. People that we may know. And here's what I want to challenge you over the next couple weeks. We're going to have this big party on August the 25th and 26th. All the messages that we preach are going to be very evangelistic. We want to reach people who are struggling with anxiety, who are weary and scattered. I want to challenge you to go fishing over the next few weeks. To go fishing for someone who may be far from God, that you know specifically. Begin to pray for them. I'm not talking about 10. I'm just talking about one person. One person in your life who maybe haven't even known God at some time in their life, but yet they've exited that relationship. Now, here's how Jesus sees it, and we'll look through his eyes when it comes to the invitation. In Luke chapter 5, it says in verse 27, After these things, he, Jesus, went out, and he saw a tax collector. Everybody say, uh-oh, this is going to be good. When you start talking about tax collectors, it gets always good. His name was Levi, sitting at the tax office. He worked for um, uh, H&R Block. (laughs) And he said to him, said to Levi, Jesus said to Levi, follow me. We'll come back to that in just a minute. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Verse 29, then Levi gave him a great feast, had a house party at his own house. And there was a great number, a great many of tax collectors and others. One translation says sinners. So there were tax collectors and sinners. Notice that the Bible distinguishes between sinners and tax collectors who sat down with them. Just make that clear right there. Don't get nervous if you work for the IRS in here today. Not coming after you. And there, scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, talking to the religious people, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come, Jesus said, I have come to call the righteous, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, in order to get the, the kind of the gravity of this particular 
statement and what Jesus is doing is you got to understand what a tax collector was. A tax collector is different than someone who sinned. A tax collector in the eyes of biblical tradition was someone who was a Jew who worked for the Roman government. Now you got to understand, at this particular time, the Roman government was a, an oppressing government over Israel. They were oppressing them, controlling them. And as a result, they would hire these Jews to stay in their neighborhoods and collect Roman taxes from their neighbors, from their relatives. These guys were hated. Nobody liked tax collectors. Nobody wanted to be uh, connected with them. Matter of fact, Jesus even made a statement later on that when someone was excommunicated, removed from community, they were known as a tax collector or a heathen. So there was a line that was drawn in the sand when it comes to any relationship. If you're a Jew, you had no relationship with the tax collector. They were not just sinning, they were enemies of you. They were, they were distant from you. Not only would they take taxes from their Jewish relatives, but they also would skim off the top and take extra money from them to, to kind of pad their pockets. So here's what Jesus did. Lines drawn in the sand. Jesus comes to the tax collector named Levi. He walks over the line and he says, follow me. Everybody got nervous. This was social media murder for Jesus. You talk about losing friends, losing Facebook followers, you name it. G G I mean, everybody loved that Jesus would preach good. Everybody loved that he would heal all the sicknesses and all the diseases. Everybody's bringing their friends to him. You got to meet this guy named Jesus. Now, time out, Jesus. You can imagine his disciples were freaking out. What are you doing, Jesus? Why in the world would you do this? Why would you cross the line? Everything's going good. I could see a future for you. You're probably going to be on the, on the cover of Time magazine. Everything's going to be going okay for you. You're going to sell books. You're going to have your face on the picture of Mag. Everything's going to be going. Now you have crossed the line. But see, Jesus was letting us know, letting us know that everyone, is invited to follow Christ. That there is no line. Now this is where I want to go today. I want to talk about this attitude that we can easily take when it comes to inviting people to follow Christ. He said to Levi, follow me, follow me. Everyone is invited to follow Jesus. Everybody is. See, the truth is, is that we all are following something. We all are following something. There's no middle ground. Either you are following Jesus or you're following people or you're following approval. You're following a relationship. You're following money. You're following success. There, there, it's, it's, it's not both and. You can't do both. The Bible tells us a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't serve God and mammon. There is no way that you can be divided. Either you're following. Let me, let me give you another word for follow. Follow means to worship. Worship. See, we all, you say, well, I don't know how to worship. I'm not very good at singing. That's just one aspect of worship. Actually, worship is a part of our life. It's our life. Um, our life, And we were created to do it. So all of us know how to do it. The issue is what we are worshiping. And so when Jesus comes to Levi and says, follow me, he was basically saying, hey, I want you to come and worship me. I want you to follow me. 
connect with me. Come, join my tribe. Be a part of this. And I love that Jesus put no qualifications on it. No qualifications. He didn't, notice he didn't say, um, uh, Levi, uh, first thing you need to do, quit your job, return some money back. Yo, bro, you, you've really taken, you've stolen some cash from all your friends. You need to give them back some money. How about three times? You know, I know you got a good 401k. You got a lot. Give all that back. You need to apologize. I'd encourage like writing real letters, no emails, text messages, like write them a real note, apologize to them. Maybe even stand up in the middle of the square in your town, sell your house, maybe downsize a little bit, get rid of the Mercedes, start driving a Honda or something like that, just a little less big, you know, that kind of, he didn't do any of that. He just said, follow me. Now, this is where we have a problem. This is where, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, this is where we struggle with this whole idea of everyone is invited. We like the, we like the thought of, hey, everybody can come along until they've really done something bad. Because we've all done something bad, right? But we've been putting in our effort over the last 20 years. So I think that they need to at least put in a good five or six years of suffering in order to qualify for the level of Christianity that I have. Come on, don't shout me down because I'm preaching good right now. We don't like this, but see, here's what God said. God isn't late, 2 Peter 3, 9. God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He's restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end. Why is he holding back the end? Because he wants, he doesn't want anyone lost. He's given everyone space and time to change. Everybody, everyone, look at your neighbor and say, everybody's invited. Maybe different than you. That's what I love about our church. There's so many different types of people here. Rich, poor, old, young, ma excuse me, mature, young. <laughs> not, just, not just different colors, cultures, different backgrounds. Jesus was unbelievably comfortable with sinning, sinners. Unbelievably comfortable. How comfortable are you? How comfortable am I? I'm preaching to myself. Because I, I, I have a scale. We, and we all do. We tend towards a scale of sin. We tend towards like a standard. Like here's, here's the really bad one. Come on, you know what it is. For you, you know what it is. This is really bad. Then we, we have this number two. That's really bad, but it's not as bad as this one. I did this, but I'm not that bad. Right? And so that's, that's Jesus didn't have a scale. He never looked at anybody through the eyes of sin. You know what he looked through the eyes of? Grace. He always saw he was full of grace and truth. The only person to embody both grace and truth. Grace and truth. Some of us tend more towards truth. Some of us tend more towards grace. It all depends on where we stand on the scale. Because if we've done this, we tend towards the grace. But we've only done this, we like the truth. 
You follow me? So that's where we get a little nervous when we, when we start. To, we like the idea. The idea of everyone's invited. I never forget when um, I, uh, I became a Christian and I wanted my mom to know God. And it's so funny, you know, I, I was just started dating Penny. You know, she's sweet, blonde hair, total different part of the world that I grew up in. My mom, if you know a little bit of my history, my mom used to sell drugs. She was like the CVS of Richmond, <laughs> illegal drugs. If you're watching, mom, forgive me for saying that. You know I love you. And so I'll never forget when the first time I took my wife, she, we were just dating at the time, I took her over to my mom's house. And, and, you know, I mean, I grew up like this. I grew up seeing drugs and, and, and marijuana and cocaine and all that stuff. Every, all the time, I just grew up that way. Well, Penny had never experienced anything like that. So I take her over to the house because I want her to meet my girlfriend, and I want to talk to her about coming to church. I want to invite my mom to church. So we walk in, and all of her friends are sitting on the floor rolling joints. <laughs> And she goes, Penny goes, what's that? Are they, are they making cigarettes? I said, no, honey, that's Mary Jane, that's marijuana, that's, that's pot. She said, is that what it smells like? I said, yes, that's what it smells like. And <laughs> still to this day, she really doesn't know. Like we were in Boston earlier this week, and in Boston you can smoke marijuana recreationally on the street. So we walked by somebody and said, that's marijuana. Ooh, that's what it smells like? I'm, wow. <laughs> True story. So I, talk to, I start talking to my mom and all of her friends about Christ. Here's what she says, because I think this is where we, we have to change this in the church. She, she, she said, I can't come to church. I can't come to God because I'm not good enough. In other words, here's the scale. I fall, I, I'm on the scale, and I, I'm not able to go. I got to get good, and then I can come to God. And I was trying to convince her, listen, that's not how you do it, like, just come to God. Listen, who do you know that thinks like that? Who do you know maybe has even been in an environment like church where they feel like that they find themselves on the scale and the church has been pointing at them? Well, you need to change that first. See, Jesus came to change a thought, a, a belief. And here's what I want to show you. Here's how religion sees a relationship. Throw this slide up there for me. General thought of religion is if you believe like me, and behave like me, you can belong like me. In other words, you gotta change the way you believe, and when you change the way you believe, oh, go ahead and deal with your behavior too. Because when you change your behavior, then you can belong. Now, you can't really connect to this community until you deal with this. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus just went to Levi and he said, follow me. Just follow me, just, just follow me. No list of requirements, no list of qualifications. See, here's Jesus' style. Jesus' style is you belong. He knows human nature. Our desire is for two very important things, purpose and community. That's what we want. Why am I here and who can I do it with? Why am I here and who can I connect with? Jesus said, you belong. Because the most important thing we can do for people is make an open community where they can come and not feel the, the burning sensation of legalism and formality but they can feel and sense grace. Because what happens is when you believe, 
When you belong, then you'll believe. It's amazing. Amazing when we get around people who have a, a thought process and we start to see how they live, that our belief system starts to change. And then when we believe differently, you know what happens next? Our behavior changes. Now, by the way, this is great parenting advice because most of the time we want behavioral changes before we actually deal with the belief of our kids. The reason why our kids act out and we have to try to whoop them into submission is because we need to deal with a belief issue. Find out why they're doing it. What is the underlying belief issue? Jesus said, you belong. See, there is, you can be a sinner and still follow Jesus. Really? Yeah, Levi was. He was a sinner. He, all his friends were tax collectors. He had a party for him. Hey, come over to my house. I met this guy named Jesus. He told me to follow him. Can you come over? Because all he knew was tax collectors. Nobody else liked him. So all his H&R Block friends came over. Christians get nervous with sin. Skeptics can follow Jesus. If you're a little skeptical today, maybe you don't believe everything yet. That's all right. You belong here. Look at your neighbor. Say, you belong. Look at him. Just say, you belong. Most of Jesus' disciples were skeptics. He walked on the water one time, and they said, is, is this really the Messiah? I mean, come on, somebody. Like he walked on the water. Could this be the one, Peter? I think he's the one. Like, really? <laughs> Doubters can follow Jesus. Thomas doubted all the way up until Jesus was raised from the dead. It wasn't until he touched the wounds in his hand, reached his hand in his side, that he goes, you, you, you got to be the Messiah. You, our responsibility, listen, just invite him. Just invite him. Here's the second thing is our, the invitation to follow is to a relationship. Christianity is a relationship. The purpose of Jesus coming to the earth was, was to remove the barrier between us and God, humanity and God. Church is how we nurture and express that relationship. Jesus came to remove the barriers, all the barriers. All the whole time Jesus was on the planet, the three and a half years that he was in ministry, all the religious people kept trying to put barriers in front of people that had been created over years and years and years. Jesus came along and said, grace, mercy, you can be forgiven of your sins. You can be healed of your diseases. You can be fixed of your problems. I wanna remove all this stuff. They kept trying to pull it, pour it in. And he was like, relationship, relationship, relationship. Because he, here's the thing, when we get into a real relationship with Jesus, you'll change. Like it's just default, you default to a better you. Really, let me say it this way, you fought to the real you. Because the life that you're living in sin is not really how God designed you to live. God did not intend you to live the way that you're living right now. He intended you to live a great life, a wonderful life. There is more for your life. There are greater things for you. There, there's more success, more significance for you. Greater things are available for you. And that's how God, uh, that's how Jesus destined us to live. But I'm, there's a warning. Let me tell you, if you decide to follow Jesus, you will change. You will change. Notice verse 28. Levi says he left all. He left all, rose up, and followed him. He walked away from everything. His job. Listen, listen, guys. 
he wasn't going back and getting another job with the, with, the, with the Roman IRS. That wasn't happening. He wasn't going to be able to go back and live the same kind of lifestyle. When we follow Jesus, you start leaving things behind. Sometimes it means you leave friends behind. You say, well, I'm nervous. I don't want to leave them. What about them? They'll be okay. Because you, when they see your life, they're going to want what you have. They're going to desire your marriage. They're going to desire your family. That's what's so amazing. Think about the things that people left in following Jesus. Fishermen left their fishing nets. Women, a woman left her water pot. Lazarus left his grave clothes. Mary left her alabaster box. Blind Bartimaeus left his, his beggar's cloak. Jesus, listen to me. Jesus never asked them to do anything, but they did it anyway. When I met my wife, I was pretty jacked up, alcoholic, did a lot of drugs. And she told me, I'll never forget, it was in Bryan Park. She said, listen, if you want to go out with me, if you want to be my friend, she wasn't even interested. The whole dating thing, I thought that we, there was a lot more going on than she thought. <laughs> and that's what happens, guys. We think there's a lot more involvement in the relationship than there's really happening. And that's the way I thought. I thought, man, we were getting close here. She's like, not a chance. Because she said, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, and if you want to have any part of this, and that was my main motivation at the time. I'm just being honest, you know. She said, you need to go to church with me. I said, I can do church. I grew up in church. I went to church. I was a C&E Christian, Christmas and Easter. <laughs> went in minimum two times a year. I was good with God. We had a little thing going on. You know, I understood. I can go to church until I walked into the presence of God. Until I recognized that there was a relationship. And, and when I bumped into God, everything changed. I felt like I belonged. I felt like I was a part of something. I felt like that, that I was connected to something. Like people were different. People weren't perfect. Went through some tough times with people. I mean, that's just part of life. Listen, don't quit going to church just because somebody gets on your nerves. Because they're going to get on your nerves at work. They're going to get on, ner on your nerves at your house. Got a lot of amens on that one. Guess we might need to preach some house Renovation messages coming up. You don't just walk away. You don't just quit your job because you're having a hard time with somebody. Why quit God? Because you got offended or something. Look, I know, I know there are people listening. I know there are people in this room. You've been sitting in the back way long, way too long. Because you got offended somewhere, one there. And instead of taking a step, you're just waiting for it to happen again. And you're just waiting for somebody to jerk that scab off of your cut that's been open. Listen, let God heal it. And sometimes the best way for him to heal it is to take a chance, a risk, in stepping right back into a community of people. Risking hurt because you never know. It's in those great risks of faith in relationships that you can find gold. And when you connect with somebody like that, man, everything changes about your life. And that's what happened to me. I went because I was looking at all that. And then 
everything got changed. I started reading the Bible, and, and I, I fell in love with Jesus, and things started to drop off of me. I started to leave relationships that were pulling me down. I started to walk away from things that I used to do. Addiction started to fall off. I didn't want to drink anymore, not because I felt guilty. It's because I wanted to serve God, and, and I loved him, and he loved me, and I recognized this relationship that I could have, and all of a sudden, I look back, and I'm like, I'm a different person. Person. I'm like a whole different person. Now listen, on, on our side of the table, you know what that does for you and me when we start to invite somebody? It helps us to not feel responsible for their mistakes. Like I'm a pastor and, and my tendency is, is to see people and want them fixed so bad. And what ends up happening with me is I want it way more than they want it. Because I see the potential that they can have. And so I'm beating myself up, not sleeping at night, because I'm afraid that they're going to miss out on what God has for them. When I realize everyone can follow Christ, and that a relationship, uh, following Christ is a relationship, and he does the work, Jesus will do the heavy lifting, woo, I'm free. I'm free. Doesn't mean I quit praying for you, because I'm praying for you all the time. Y'all need some help. But it's a change. Are you with me, guys? Are you with me? Here's the last thing that I just want you to hear today is to follow Jesus forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. Let me say that one more time. To follow Jesus, when I follow Jesus, it forces me, when I'm a true follower of Christ, it forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. Let me say it another way. The more conscious I am about what God has yet to do in me, the less concerned I am about what God hasn't done in you. I focus on what God wants to, needs to do in me. Lamentations 3 says, The faithful, listen to this. This is such a powerful verse, and I'm, I'm almost done. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. Never ends. That means you don't quit, man. Do not quit on that person that you're praying for. Do not quit on your husband. Don't quit on your wife. Do, do not quit on your son, your daughter. Do not quit because the faithful love of the Lord never ends. It never ends. It never ends. His mercies never cease. They never cease. Great is His faithfulness his mercies begin afresh every morning his mercies are new every morning I don't think that's a physical when the sun rises I really don't believe that because I believe it's just when you wake up and some of us can just wake up and guess what his mercies are brand new all you gotta do is wake up and when, when, somebody, when you invite somebody to follow Christ, all it takes, Levi just woke up, and there's mercy. There's, who, who do you know that needs a little mercy tomorrow morning? Who do you know at your job? Who do you know in your neighborhood? What house do you ride by and you know the yelling and the screaming and the hate that's in there? Who do you know in your family that you kind of walk away from most of the time? You don't really want to be involved with it because they need some mercy. 
Listen, they do not need accusation, judgment, or legalism. They need mercy. You know what mercy is? God not doing to me what I deserve. That's what mercy is. I I needed mercy. Listen, on the scale, Troy, way up here. See, and when when you realize that, you don't look through the eyes of truth as much as you look through the eyes of grace. And when you extend grace to someone, the door is open for truth. You can speak truth into their life and they'll receive it in a way that just blows you away. My wife was blown away what happened to me. Here I am 30 years later, pastor, least likely to be a pastor. I'm telling you, that's what they wrote in my yearbook. Troy Maxwell, least likely to be a pastor. Pray for him. (laughs) That's right. Yep. (laughs) Now, if you haven't figured it out yet, Levi is actually a guy by the name of Matthew. Matthew happened to write the first book in the New Testament. His book is called Matthew. It's real easy. And you can read it. And you know where it all started? When Jesus came and said, follow me. He crossed the line and he said, follow me. Follow me. The change will come. The change will come. And he wrote the first book in the New Testament. You never know who you're going to reach. You never know who you could be talking to to say, that changes their life. You know, you never know what Levi, Levi you might talk to. Amen. Would you stand up on your feet? Maybe you're here today and you need some mercy. You need some mercy. I don't want you to leave today. I don't want you to stop watching without knowing that Jesus has a plan for your life. And that invitation is available to you today, that you can follow Christ. In this room, you can follow Christ today. You can make a decision. You're following something. We're all following something. Today, you can choose to follow him. Maybe you followed him at one time and you chose another route. Today, you can come right back. How? How do I know that? Because his left never fails. Because his mercies are new every morning. We all woke up to a new mercy. You can wake up today to a brand new mercy. God not doing to you what you deserve. I'm so thankful for that mercy. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I I do want to follow Christ with every eye open and every head looking around. Let's just do it. Let's just be real with God today. Be real with everybody today. If you say, "I I want to become a follower of Jesus, just raise your hand. You say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. Come on. Isn't that great? Love it. Hands all over the room. Awesome. Awesome. So proud of you. He loves you. If you raised your hand, you wanted to raise your hand, would you just pray this prayer out loud? Just say this with me. Church, would you join with them? If you're watching online, just pray this prayer out loud. Just say, Heavenly Father, today I decide to follow you. Thank you for making me feel like I belong. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus, for being raised from the dead so that I could experience a new life that starts right now. Thank you, Father, that your mercies and your love are available 
I receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Come on.